Welcome back to the Breakdown Podcast. As you know, we are sponsored by Or Cycling Apparel, some of the best kit that you will find out there, both ecologically sustainable, uh, very good looking, odour resistant, and well fitting, uh, which is pretty much ticking every box that you could possibly hope for out of cycling kit. Hello and welcome to the Breakdown Podcast. I am Jamie Finch-Penninger and I'm joined today by Tom Robinson of N-Swiss Cycling. Uh, Tom, we had you on last week and it's always good to catch up, do the do the follow-up after the race as well. Um, successful successful outing for you, getting a stage win there. Hey, uh, thanks, Jamie. Thanks uh, for having me on again. Yeah, it was a really good week um, for us down in Gippsland, for the whole team actually. We rode uh, uh, really well all four days to... Um, Come away with a, a win on uh, in the stage three at Bansdale was um, quite a surprise, but also um, really satisfying. Um, yeah, particularly not having target at Gippsland, but more so after my my target event of Melbourne Warnable last week to, to bounce back and and get a result like that was uh, yeah, it was was nice. Yeah, well, a bit of a bit of redemption there maybe because um, you you were so close, obviously at Melbourne Warning and then. Uh, then you manage to, you know, channel that frustration into a great performance. <laughs> there. Yeah, um, yeah, it was. It was uh, a really a nice way to uh, sort of move on from that, and uh, yeah, and um, and get a win, and yeah, it was cool. We'll take a quick little break, and we'll jump back in and talk um, two of Gippsland in a few seconds. Okay, two of Gippsland and uh, Tom. I mean, we spoke before about how it was going to be a race between Mitchelton, Scott, and um, Iceway, Swiss Wellness, and you know it would be going into those sprints. But it was really those sprint trains which um, dominated dominated proceedings, especially those first few stages. There wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, that was certainly always going to be the the. The real challenge for all the other teams out there um, was was taking on those two teams, um, and and for our lineup that we had at that race, we had a super sort of aggressive uh, lineup in terms of uh, not having a sprinter as such in the team. So we needed to play a pretty pretty aggressive um, strategy uh, and go on the attack and make it as difficult as possible. Uh, but obviously, uh, with two such strong teams, it was always going to be quite difficult taking them on. Um, uh, they had the horsepower to just sort of bring anything back uh, when they needed to, and um, yeah, it was it was quite a challenge. Um, made raid for really really good racing though. We were pretty happy with how it all sort of ended up for us. Um, you know, we got uh, Aiden Tuvi up there on uh, for third place on on uh, stage two uh, at um, Sale, and and that was really good. We'd been aggressive all all race again. Um, I'd been away sort of in a three man break for sort of the first part of it and then Ryan Kavanagh uh, was in a really late move that only got caught with a couple laps to go and it actually looked quite uh, like it was going to actually stick. Um, Ice away chased really, really hard and um, and it put a heap of pressure onto them um, and uh, that allowed us to sort of take care of Aiden and um, he managed to sort of come home quite quickly and, and run third. So we had a really, really good uh, week down there. So it was it was good. What were the race dynamics in the peloton? Um, we got to see a fair bit of it thanks to the streaming, the live streaming from the Subaru National Road Series and the Wiggle, uh, 
the Wiggle um, Facebook account, which was great. I mean, to see live racing is a luxury we don't get often permitted in Australia, but um, yeah. that was a lot of fun and great commentary from Pat Shaw. Um, yeah. As always, he does a, does a good job on those those sort of things. Yeah. So, what were the dynamics from within the within the race? I mean, we saw what happened, but um, what were what were the dynamics within the peloton? I mean, who was bossing bossing things around? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It was. It was. It was. It was quite interesting. Uh, pretty early on, uh, most most uh, stages, even uh, from stage one, it was pretty clear that um, uh, what each of the, the the teams were trying to do. Uh, there was. It was probably pretty clear that Michelton were always keen to keep. It, Keep it together and take control and have a have a sprint at the end and 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 that's that's exactly how you would do it with the strength of of guys that they had and also the the the, the speed that they had in that team with with Sam Wellsford and and those guys um, yeah that was that was a pretty clear thing of what they were going to do there um, I was a little, probably a little bit surprised with what Isoway did to be honest um, they they solely uh, went went with um, Freeberg um, and they, they backed him but um, and they really were just covering covering a lot of the, the, the moves that were going early on um, yeah it was that was probably a little bit surprising but also considering that he's um, he's leading the NRS and and they're trying to sort of get as many points as they possibly can uh, in the NRS there it was it was a good way for them to to capitalize on that by giving him the, the best opportunity um, and it was a case of trying to get the right combination of, of riders up the road, um, you know. Uh, and I think on day one and day two, it was really only uh, breaks of three, three, four riders max that were getting able to get up the road, and and really the, they weren't too, able to get too far uh, before they were being sort of reeled back in. Um, yeah, so it, it it made it made it really interesting, and certainly in the final final sort of five laps the, the the speed just went up another few k an hour particularly once once the ice away and Mitchelton started to really line it out and do their lead outs it was yeah went up another notch so run through the results just briefly um sam wellsford took out the first first stage uh, with mark freeberg and sean whitfield from oliver's in behind him and then second stage it was wellsford again winning from nicky lewis and aiden tuvi um Nicky Lewis, obviously, with Mitchell and Scott as well, and doing an impressive one-two there off um, the, the lead-out. Um, and then we get to the third stage, which is where uh, you take the starring role, Tom. Um, yeah, talk us through making that uh, that initial break there, because it was uh, you who set up the move and then had Jesse join you. Yeah, so, um, yeah, prior to, prior to the stage, it was very much a, a similar discussion in my team to be, again, quite aggressive, um, with myself, uh, Ryan Kavanagh and uh, Dylan Sunderland and, and even Aiden to, to be quite aggressive uh, to try and look for the moves. Uh, and we wanted to just sit back a little bit for the f- sort of first 10 minutes and, and, and sort of let the race unfold um, and see what happened um, early on. Um, and I initially, I'd ridden that, uh, I'd ridden the Bensdale Crit uh, a few years ago in when uh, it was held there uh, during the Tour of Gippsland. Um, so I, I remember the course and I knew that uh, with the two two corners at uh, either end of the course are quite, uh, quite sharp and, and they, they were sort of quite conducive for um, uh, really drawing and, and lining the, the whole peloton out. So I knew that it was they were good corners to attack into. Um, and yeah, basically after the, the first intermediate sprint, I noticed that... Um, that they were doing a fairly 
a big lead out for it, particularly for uh, Jordan Kirby and, and the Mitchelton guys. And I knew that uh, that was going to put a lot of pressure on the race. And straight after it, I, I, I sort of found the opportunity to attack uh, down the back straight. And I got away with um, three or four others, um, but it was sort of shut down pretty quickly. And just as we got caught, I, I went again. And uh, that was sort of the one that, sort of stuck and Jesse came across pretty well straight away um, and uh, we'll give him yeah enough rope I suppose and yeah and we really just settled in straight away and and, and I just uh, just said to Jesse let's let's go and um, um, and let's just give it a crack and and yeah he he was fully committed and he's incredibly strong so it was a really good guy to have with me uh, and um, yeah uh, went on from there so I always find it interesting watching Jesse Coyle because he's got a very distinctive style and he always looks yeah. like he's on the end of his tether, you know, pedaling yeah. away, but he's always got plenty more energy left in him. Yeah. And, and that's, um, you're dead right, actually. Um, uh, the whole time I was with him, I was trying to sort of, um, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to work out whether he's got a little bit more left or whether he's actually fully on his limit. Um, sort of, there's no difference. So, um yeah, it made it, it made it a little bit tricky, and I had to sort of really um, had to be careful with him because I, I'd heard how strong he was, and 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 certainly um, he was pretty uh, keen to to go hard, you know. And we still had about forty five minutes or so left in the race, and he was he was going hard. So I thought, man, um, if he can keep this going, I think we'll we might be okay here. Yeah, I don't know how much you had an idea of what was going on back in the peloton, but um, it seemed that Mitchell and Scott were leading the chase for most of the race until uh, I think it was Sam Crome from Ice Away came up to the front and then started digging into that lead of yours um, back a bit. Mm. And then when it got yeah. to about 20 seconds or so, um, I think you guys put in an attack. Well, you, you, sorry, you put in an attack, Tom. And it looked like it was more of your technical ability, which really allowed you to get away from Jesse. I mean, you're going through the corners quite a bit faster there. And that was sort of something that I'd, I'd picked up sort of uh, pretty early on. And when we got away, uh, I'd followed Jesse through a couple of the corners and he was sort of taking a different line to, to what I uh, was taking. And and I could sort of see that even a couple of times when he was when he was following me that it, I'd gapped him. Um, and it wasn't by... It wasn't intended to do that. It was more that I was just trying to not wash up, wash off too much speed. Um, as I say, the corners were quite tight, so um, happening to accelerate each each couple of hundred meters to to wind it up was just going to take a lot of energy out of you. So you, you know, I was trying to just hold as much speed as possible. Yeah, later on, and once I knew that we we'd established a good sort of uh, a decent gap, I, I sort of uh, started to test him out, and and I wanted to just see how he responded. And I noticed a couple of times that it took him a little while to actually get back to my wheel, um, and he didn't look quite as good as what he did initially. That, that started to give me a little bit of confidence that that, that uh, maybe he's on his limit, and um, I've got to capitalise on this. Um, and and yeah. Uh, uh, you know, with with about five laps to go, I, uh, Ben Kirsten was on the side of the on the side of the circuit, and, and um, yeah, about five, uh, just as we got five laps to go, he said, "Right, Tommy, you got to you got to go now, mate. Uh, you got to give it everything, if, you know, to hold these guys off." And and that's um, really when I went for it, uh, full gas <laughs> for the last four laps, just hoping that um, I didn't get caught, and um, yeah, managed to hold on. 
Yeah, and you did so by, you know, a fairly impressive margin. Um, 11 seconds over Jesse Coyle, who also managed to just hold off the peloton there. And Sam Wellsford again leading the leading it home with Mitchell and Scott there and Freeberg just behind him. It's been been a while between wins for you, Tom. I mean, what were the what were the feelings um, going uh, going over the line there? Yeah. Oh, look, it's been it has been a long time since um, I've been able to get a victory, and and uh, I've been a part of um, some great uh, team victories, and, and and been able to help other riders get uh, some fantastic wins, uh, but haven't been able to achieve it myself. And um, it's also there's been a lot of uh, frustration for a few years there, um, not being able to quite achieve what I, I, I would have liked, and um, I suppose, uh, yeah, just it's a realization that I'd, I'd finally, uh, finally uh, had a really good win. You know, um, to I think uh, it was quite special for me to um, to be able to to, to do that sort of a, a ride and, and, and come across the line by myself. It was um, something I'd always hope to do. And, you know, I've watched, you watch so many riders do it and you think, wow, that's um, amazing. Um, yeah. Well, the, the Belgians say it doesn't count as a win unless there's nobody else in the, in the picture <laughs> at the end. So yeah, you, yeah. you accomplished that at, at least yeah. onto the rest of the race now. And uh, obviously uh, that stage um, set, we yeah, set it up the final stage four in Turagon. And yeah, that one looked like a really hard day out there on the bike. Um, well, just take just take us through it there. I mean, obviously, a great attack by Sasha Bondarenko Edwards at the end yeah. um, to catch the peloton yeah. off guard and hold hold it to the line. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, that was that was a that was probably the hardest one out of all of them. Uh, I'd nearly say. Uh, I think the fact that we'd had three three days uh, prior to it that were also quite intense and, and this one really finished everyone off and the fact that it was also half an hour longer so it was 90 minutes this one and um yeah uh quite windy too strong quite a strong head headwind going up the hill each lap um and then quite fast going down the other side um yeah it was it was on uh, everyone sort of right from the get-go it was pretty well uh, just uh, you know each lap um you know someone trying to launch off the front uh up that hill and um yeah it sort of never really shut down at all at any stage during the race uh it looked like there was a couple of moves that you know should probably should have stayed away but uh with with probably not quite the right combination of riders in there uh, a few guys that were up there high overall and then obviously uh, a couple of guys that were back in the main field that that you know were wanting to get across so um it was yeah it was brutal it was a it was a tough one um and um yeah sasha's move there on the last lap was was really incredible knowing that the fact that he um was able to hold everyone off was was pretty was really impressive um yeah he did a similar move at the battle recharge on that the criterium um stage oh, there yeah. where he yeah, he, did too, yeah. he mistakenly thought he'd, he'd won that one um and saluted but yeah. unfortunately cam bailey was up the road already but yeah he got a proper win this time and uh good to see so <laughs> Make yeah, sure you watch absolutely. out for that move next time you're doing a crit on a pretty tough course with with Sasha. He's been a really <laughs> impressive rider so far this year, actually. He has, yeah, um, yeah. I remember he was he rode well at uh, Tour of King Valley as well. I think on the last day there, when uh, sort of splitting the crosswinds, he was with us in the small group that went to the line, and I remember him uh, coming home like a freight train in that one as well. So he's got a real turn of speed, um, and he can go from quite a long way out, um, which is which is really cool. Um, so yeah, I'll be <laughs> be uh, watching watching him next time he tries to pull those ones off. 
Yeah, well, he's going to be going to be a marked man from now on. Um, okay, in second there was Michael Freeberg, who secured second place overall as well with that with that second placing there. Harrison Bailey, um, been in good form recently. Um, he made the semi-finals of the Zwift Academy along with Nick White, and yeah, it looks in pretty pretty good form at the moment. Um, he took third there for GPM Stultz, and then it was Nicky Loris and Sam Wellsford. Um, coming in behind and Wellsford with that fifth place there secured the overall win. And yeah, I mean, it's impressive to see these trackies going well on the road, isn't it? I mean, obviously Sam Wellsford's got a good, good base on the road. He raced with Satellist, I think for one year and then uh, occasional appearance uh, last year as well. So yeah, he's got a, he's got a firm background on the road as well as the track. Yeah. They're quite a good year. Uh, in the, the stint that he did in uh, Belgium this year, he, he did uh, really well there. Um, and yeah, like he's he proved even in the Warney uh, that he was able to go the distance there. Uh, so yeah, Sam's a huge talent, um, and um, not only is he incredibly strong, but he's he's got the top end to it as well. So um, yeah, he's he's uh, very very impressive. Okay, well, that should just about wrap it up. Oh, well, actually, I mentioned Michael Freeberg. I mean, it's going to be yeah, almost absolutely. impossible now to overtake him for the um, National Road Series uh, lead. So I'm not sure if he's going to be doing Tour of Tasmania. That'll be... He's off uh, to Tour of Hanan. Uh, so, mm. uh, yeah, he won't, be, he won't be here for Tour of Tassie. Um, yeah, Michael's been, been awesome. Um, he, he, again, like, he's had an awesome year. Uh, his results... Um, not only here but overseas have been really 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 good and um yeah like he's he's been able to win uh, a whole stack of races on very very terrain and um he's yeah he's he's done exceptionally well and um yeah he's and a great guy to go with it so yeah runs his own company as well he's the he's the manufacturer of um air hub through i forget the name of his company i think it's terrain dynamics or some, something along those lines anyway so yeah look it up and check out Airhub if you if you're insane and you want to make cycling harder like some people do apparently the season's only getting longer at the moment um with tour of tasmania going later and um you know race like margaret river becoming bigger and bigger um how, do, how does that affect uh, preparations for um, nationals because obviously Australians, you know, we got that got that uh, earlier start to the season than it, than all the other countries. Yeah, um, it sort of starts to change things quite a lot now. Uh, particularly, this is probably the first year where, as I say, uh, Tour of Tassie has now been moved to November. Uh, previously, it would have been already done uh, early October. So, um, a lot of guys are sort of choosing to to have a break probably a bit earlier or mid-season break, a bigger one, um, and then build up uh, through to through to sort of now October um, and then continue on, uh, particularly the Australian-based guys. Um, you'll probably see them in pretty good shape actually uh, straight after and heading straight into January. There'll be a lot of guys that will be um, hoping to carry that form through. Um, but also, it, it is a tricky one because some got, some of the riders that have uh, done a part of their season overseas and then and then half of it here in Australia, they've got to do, try and balance uh, that and, and, and get in a, a break. And often by, the, by about this time, um, I know that a few of them that have uh, been 
sort of doing the Asian Asian racing and the stuff here in Australia, they're pretty tired now and, and they're trying to fit their brakes in in now um, so that they can come back up and have a, a reasonable January uh, for, for nationals. So it's, it's a bit of a juggling act. You sort of, I think um, it's probably becoming more and more of a case that guys are now happening to say, well, you know, um, I'm going to have to miss, miss this sort of block of racing because I want to be good uh, at a different time. Um, whereas before it's probably never been, so much like that um you can nearly if you wanted to probably race 12 12 months of the year um yeah so it's um it it makes it tricky um and i think hopefully uh it starts to become a little bit more of a particularly in australia it becomes more uh a doable to be able to do a, a whole summer of racing here and then perhaps uh have a, have a bit of a break and then maybe do a stint through our Australian winter overseas and then and then have a, a distinct uh, gap between the two. Um, that would be, I think that would be really cool to see that happen. But um, worth, worth mentioning that I think Cam Bailey last year, he really carried his form from Asian yeah. racing all the way through to January and it worked out okay for him. Thanks for your, thanks for your time, Tom. Um, I'll let you get out of the dark there. Oh, thanks, um, man. <laughs> and uh, cheers. Thanks, uh, thanks yeah. for being with us. Um, no worries. Thanks, Jay. Okay, we're here now with Beck Wysak, the women's race. And uh, Beck, unfortunately, you just missed Tom. Um, you probably would have known him because um, Ben was riding with Charter Mason at the same time as Tom. Yeah, and he had a great win on the weekend as well. It was good to, to watch that. Um, I think the track is pretty much dominated, but then he was able to take the win. And, of course, Sasha on the final stage as well to uh, challenge Sam and the track riders. But, uh, yeah, it's been good that they've been uh, sharing the wins around and... Uh, big breakthrough win for him. Yeah, sorry, I didn't give you your full introduction there. Of course, two-time world champion in the individual, individual pursuit, rider for High Five Dream Team, um, rode in America as well this year, did did great over there uh, for Fearless Femme. So, uh, Beck, you were part of that track dominance down there in, in Gippsland. Uh, what was racing like down there? Yeah, it was uh, fairly aggressive, I think. Yeah, we had a the High Five Dream Team had a very strong team of predominantly track riders. I think Emily Roper, I mean, she's a, a former world junior champion in the team's pursuit. So, uh, and then the, the, the other riders were all uh, current track riders and, and they're all preparing for the Oceania Track Championships. So riders like Nicola McDonald and Macy and Georgia and, you know, they're all gearing up for the track season. So there's some very, very strong uh very fast riders down there. And then, you've, of course, you've got people like Kimberly Wells, who's a two-time Australian Criterium champion, who's uh, been focusing predominantly on her work um, recent times, but, you know, came out and proved that she's, uh, yeah, still very competitive. And it was a very small field, only a couple of teams there with full uh, squads and a, a, you know, sprinkling of individual riders. But, uh, yeah, it was very competitive uh, racing. Yeah, it certainly looked it, um, and great to have it um, on on live stream as well, and get a few more eyeballs on the NRS, which is which is you know absolutely amazing for compared to level of coverage that we that we normally have for the national road series. Oh, it's so fantastic! I know there was you know people progressively increasing throughout the series, knowing that the live stream was there. My director from America, from Fearless Fan and Rincon, was tuning in and watching and. 
he ID'd me from, you know, just looking at results online the last few years and he's been following my progress. So, you know, it is an avenue for, for other Australian riders to pursue potentially going overseas because there's getting the greater exposure and people are actually watching it. You know, I know Simon Jones was out there on the Saturday and Sunday actually keeping an eye on the, the Australian uh, national scene and, um, yeah, there are people watching and it's great exposure for the sport and, and I really hope that that, you know, continues. Yeah, um, especially for the younger riders there who got um, – well, that's, uh, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. We'll, we'll go through the stages and then we'll talk about the younger riders there on stage four who really got to show their, show their colours there in that, in that breakaway it. move. Uh, yeah, first stage, um, it was you who took the winner out there in the bunch sprint. Um, and you always do a good salute. Um, that's what I like. It makes for a good picture um, out, out there. I did. It was actually wet conditions and I had, um, you know, some friends that, you know, comment that I'm a track rider, so I'm not used to riding in the wet, but some of my best and favourite races have been in uh, pretty wet, sloppy conditions. So, uh, yeah, I was salivating over that and uh, it was a, had a little rise to the finish line and it was, um, yeah, sprints. So... I was able to, you know, test my legs out and, yeah, I was thrilled to take the win and I've uh, been given a bit of flack for not doing the two-hand salute, but, of course, it was wet and it was a very close finish. I felt the girls were just breathing down my neck, so you just want to be sure and make sure that uh, you definitely have the win, that you get across the line safely and, uh, yeah, there was a lot of emotion and passion in those photos and, as you said, you know, that great photo. Teammates were able to put together in the series, but, as you said, we're getting ahead of ourselves now. <laughs> Yeah, so you took that win there and took the leader's jersey on at that stage. Um, Nicola McDonald, who had a great race, um, unfortunately crashed out the last stage. That was nasty. But, um, yeah, she had a great race and took second second there. And Kimberly Wells was in third for hold. Um, what was the difference on that stage made you um, be able to get up over um, Kimberly and Nicola there? Because um, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be the case for all the other stages. Yeah, I mean, that stage, as I said, it was a, it was a pure sprint bunch finish. Um, I felt quite comfortable on the corner. I know Erin Keneally had crashed very early on in the, uh, the last final corner, and it was a slight uphill. It was quite a long sprint, a slight uphill into the finish. So that suited me quite well. I had um, a couple of teammates ahead of me, and it was kind of a little bit messy around the final corner. So I was able to just, you know, hit it out, go long, and... Um, yeah, hold on to the win. And, and it's not often that you do get a pure sprint that I'm able to test myself against the sprinters because usually I'd be launching early or going in a breakaway and winning solo. So I think Nicola, you know, she was probably the in-form and, and strongest rider out there through the whole series. She was racing as an individual, but, um, you know, and sometimes that's a benefit because you, you don't, you know, you don't have to follow everything. You can kind of sit back and um, chill out. And she spent a lot of the time at the back of the bunch that first race, but you know, came through and, and got a pretty dominant second there. Um, and then, yeah, her her uh, attacks when she was following moves throughout the rest of the series were very explosive and, uh, yeah, really unlucky. Um, a really, it was a technical, you know, final stage and she came down. She's been in great form and had, uh, yeah, some pretty bad facial injuries. So I hope she recovers in time for Oceania's for the track champs, um, which is next month in New Zealand. But, uh, yeah, as I said, she was my... my um, Thought she was the, the best rider down there across the whole series. Yeah, it'd be a pity to waste that waste that form that she's got at the moment. Clearly, um, yeah. Onto stage two now, and it was 
Chloe Moran, who took it out from that break there, um, you guys are playing the playing the numbers a bit there. Where after Holden had uh, made a very very good attack there with Shannon Malseed and Sarah Gigante in that five person move, and Nicola McDonald uh, jumped away and got herself in the move there, um, finished fourth. And Georgia, good to see her another trackie. Um, good to see her back on back on the NRS circuit. Uh, former former winner, of course, of the overall um, NRS title back in 2015, I want to say. Yeah, yeah, it was actually Chloe winning break. I wanted a couple of times across days, but uh, that was our plan going in to give some opportunities to other riders, people like Chloe and, and Ruby and Christina who are workhorses and spend the whole season riding for other riders. And, you know, with this style of format, and it does definitely suit our different, uh, the strengths of our riders and our team that was down in Gippsland. So, um, yeah, she was going to go try a couple of times before the sprint points. I think that was maybe just before or after the second sprint point, once the sprinter's legs had been deadened. Um, I think it was Christina who went the first. Uh, Kimberly really worked for her sprint points the first time around. And then, yeah, Chloe was a, a ferocious attack. She actually was putting out better power numbers than me in our uh, activation efforts the night before the series. So I knew that she... Uh, was, yeah, if, if it came down to a sprint either from the field or from a small bunch that she'd probably be able to uh, pull it pull it off. And uh, she's in great form. She won the, the last round of the South Australian uh, Super Series that they have there. So against people like Alex Manley and Georgia Baker. So definitely an in-form rider. She's also preparing for the Oceania Track Championships and and to see her be the one that actually Nick and, yeah, obviously having the bunch meant that she was able to kind of cruise around. And, yeah, the other hard for that to stay away, which we were interested with because it, it didn't go down on it time. It was purely on point. So they could have won by 10 seconds or two minutes. Um, but they worked really hard for that to stay away. And I was so excited for Chloe to take the win. It was her first win in the National Road Series and, and really, really thoroughly deserved and, and a great reward for the hard work she's put in this year. It's her first full season on the road. So, uh, yeah, watch. Yeah, and after that, you kept a hold of the leader's jersey there, um, though you were sharing it with Nicola McDonald. Um, yeah, moving on to the third stage then. And uh, unfortunately, it seems that um, your you know, your moves have been plagiarised, um, <laughs> Beck. I mean, the... Uh, the, the last lap flyer, and Kimberly Wells did it this time and did it uh, to some success, taking taking out the win just over Emily Roper, who'd been in that uh, break earlier. Yeah, I think uh, it's no secret now that I like to pull out the wizard move with a lap to go and take that flyer. And uh, we had Emily up the road. As you said, it was a break of three. And uh, I think Shannon Molseed had been dropped from the break once Macy had attacked. And then Macy eventually got brought back by the bunch as well. But... Um, yeah, it was, you know, very smart riding by Kimberly. I'd um, obviously, you know, won the sprint on day one and then out sprinted her. It was a, we were sprinting for sixth from the bunch on day two. So, um, you know, she probably, yeah, had a, a brilliant move strategically to go and she uh, went on the inside into the, it was a very, very fast, um, flat, rectangular course and she uh, flew up the inside and, uh, yeah, I, was, <laughs> I didn't have the... Uh, the guts to follow that. Um, and then, yeah, Emily was just, just, just beaten. Apparently it was millimetres that separated her from the win. So brilliant from Em. She's uh, got second at the crit in Battle on the Border and another second. And 
she's another rider who hadn't yet got an NRS stage win, so it would have been awesome to see her get up. But yeah, and I was uh, sprinting from the bunch for third and got locked out of my 11, unfortunately. It was a really fast tailwind finish. Um, and uh, yeah, so I couldn't actually get on top of the gear that I needed to, uh, to get up in that sprint. So that was a bit disappointing, but uh, yeah, bike overnight and fix things for our stage four. Yeah, always disappointing. You can't put out the power that you want to on those sort of finishes there. Going, yeah, going in the final there, um, Kimberly Wells was in the in the lead. So what, what was the plan going into the final stage there? I mean, what, what were you aiming, aiming to do? You just had to finish ahead of Kimberly Wells, essentially. So what was the plan to yeah. do with that? Yeah, pretty much. Nicola and Kimberly actually shared the lead leading into that final stage. Um, but as I said, there's been some girls who had worked really hard for the team all season and for me during the series. So... Uh, it was nice that Ruby was able to get in a move there. That that wasn't necessarily the plan. We we're gonna ride. Uh, as you said, it was. It's pretty much. It was just up to me to finish ahead of Kimberly. And so when Ruby did get in a move, that was brilliant. Uh, yeah, three really young riders um, being able to you know showcase their talent. And uh, yeah, it was a. I actually was a bit worried at one stage that we might get lapped by the break, and that could have actually been Holden's tactic because it did get pretty close at one point and uh, they were pretty happy to just sit up and cruise and I thought well we'll be sprinting for the the rest of the placings if we did get lapped early which would be to my disadvantage because it's better if the race continued for longer but uh yeah it was a bit wet and uh, uh some slippery corners and I got caught behind a, a crash um I thought I was positioning well I was actually on Shannon Mulseed's wheel I was second wheel around the corner and she came down and chased back on after that first crash and then came down a couple of laps later behind Nicola and I think Shannon crashed the second to online of her somersaulting over Nicola so then the final lap I George Baker came down ahead of me so yeah I wasn't actually able to to uh, pull it off against Kimberly unfortunately but it was uh, brilliant for us to be able to, you know, share the love around and for Ruby to have an opportunity to go for the win there. And uh, she pulled it off brilliantly. Yeah, a lot of bad luck there in, in, those, um, in those final few laps from the sound of things and it got quite slippery out there. Um, I was speaking to Shannon. Uh, she said that she went down on the same elbow twice there in the, in the, fin in the finale. So that's, yeah, you can, you can feel the pain um, sympathetically, I suppose, because everyone knows what it's like to whack your elbow really hard, and then to do it twice. I mean, can't be can't be too pleasant whatsoever. Those those three riders out the front there, though. I mean, they're probably the future um, of Australian racing, aren't they? I mean, Sarah Gigante. I, I don't think I've ever met somebody so enthusiastic in my life. She's always a barrel barrel full of fun. Um, and Anya Lowe um, looks looks to be a very accomplished rider at a very young age. So, and of course, Ruby, Ruby Roseman Gannon took out the win over the two of them. So you can see that the the prospects in yeah Australian cycling we got we got a few good ones in the in the young ranks coming through. Even though we we're trying to pack and get to the airport, uh, the Tarragon stage four, Ruby kind of said, "Oh, it was nice to get a win over." I think she said the young girls. And then she laughing and the others are 16. So she kind of has that differentiation that she's been, you know, in it and at it a little bit longer than the other two. But incredible talent coming through. As I said, it was great that they were able to showcase that, especially with, you know, the big boss watching on at the, at the event. And then 
having, you know, it streamed around the world. So I hope that, you know, those girls have opportunities to continue their development next year, um, you know, first National Road Series win. And uh, as I said, she's she guest rode for the team a couple of years ago. And, uh, yeah, she's just such a hard worker. And the girls are all really passionate, all uh, hard workers and definitely prepared to get in there and get amongst it and throw their, you know, throw themselves around in, in a bunch of, very accomplished and experienced older riders. So it's really great to see the uh, talent coming through. Yeah, just just wrapping up to Gippsland. I mean, obviously, whilst the racing was fantastic, it's a pity that it was um, just a field of 24, I think it was in the end, um, which, you know, doesn't ideally showcase um, what the women's field is all about. I mean, obviously, teams like Specialised, um, uh, Phoenix, uh, those sort of teams, they're a big part of, what Australian cycling is and it'd be and it's a bit of a pity that um that we didn't get to see them on the start line with the rest of you guys for sure I think you know given that the tour was announced so late in the year a lot of teams like Specialized just didn't budget for the event they hadn't approached their sponsors with this event in mind so they weren't weren't able to, to to attend the event and also it ran across four days it was one hour racing every day and logistically I mean, we stayed in um, Turalgan the entire time, but a lot of teams that did um, race, they they moved every day and uh, having the girls, the women of the peloton that do work, you know, they're having to take a couple of days off work to get to it. So I understand that logistically it's difficult, but just, yeah, it's fantastic. I was able to support the event uh, for women because it's the first time that that it has been on the calendar for the women, especially with the absence of the Bay Crit series next year. Uh, okay. Um, yeah, that should be plenty for uh, two of Gippsland. And we'll come back and talk briefly about riders making a splash overseas. And one of them, I think, will be near and dear to your heart, Beck. <laughs> Okay, and we are back talking about Australians performing well overseas. And, of course, the teaser going into the segment was, of course, the one and only Ben Hill, fiancé of our very own guest at the moment, Rebecca Wyzak. Oh, yeah, as you said, um, yeah, it's near and dear to my heart. He's not near at the moment because he's been in China the last couple of weeks and in Japan uh, across the weekend. But, yeah, he uh, has worked pretty hard uh after having broken his collarbone at the Tour of Bretagne in April this year and kind of ending his uh, European season. So this Asian block of racing was pretty important to him, especially for securing a contract for next year. So he was targeting Japan. And of course, you know, as any elite athlete, you're not satisfied generally unless you win. So he definitely went into the Japan Cup road race um, hoping to win and uh, he is a breakaway rider and there was a break of five got up the road and he said Cannondale, Drapak, you know, blew themselves apart trying to chase. There were teams like Trek Segafredo and BMC and teams that weren't happy with their rider in the break. So they were trying to chase and it, it got to 22 seconds across the climb on the last lap but never quite made it. So he was kicking himself that usually he wouldn't, even if he was the one that devised a team plan, he disregarded and still get in the break because he gets excited. And he did that last uh, week in China. But today or that, that day he decided to, uh, yeah, sit back and just um, bank on a being a bunch sprint. And uh, he was sprinting from a, a select group for six, uh, six and yeah, just got beaten by Jasper Stuyven who won 
three state no not win sorry was podiumed in three stages of the Giro this year so he said that's probably going to be a career highlight going uh you know pretty much head to head against Jasper Stoyven a, a, a talented and credentialed rider like that and narrowly got pipped for uh six but yeah I think I'm pretty proud of him for even finishing seventh it's a you know fair chunk of UCI points a one point HC race so it's probably his best career result but yeah as I said you're always wanting more and uh, I think that's what drives you to uh, to continue. Jesper Stoyven, of course, amazing quality. He won the Kern of Brussels Kerner, I think, a few years ago and he'll probably win the Tour of Flanders in the future. So, you know, no, 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 um, no shame on him to be beaten in the sprinter line there by Jesper. Plenty of other news, though, just to, just to get off Ben for a second. Um, <laughs> and Lucy Kennedy, uh, obviously um, a big addition from uh, your team high five to the women's world tour going and joining orica scott i'm thoroughly deserved she had a, a brilliant season overseas this year and uh, you know has been one of those riders with an incredible engine great physiology and she's a- able to have translate that into you know wins overseas which a lot of the australian riders just um you know and the selection camps have proven that you might have the physiology but you get to europe and you just don't cope but she's you know an older rider, she was a runner um, in the college system in America, which is probably a pretty good breeding ground as well. Um, that that sorts a lot of elite athletes out. You either make it or break it over there. And, you know, she's had some injuries over the years, but a uh, really, really dedicated, um, hardworking athlete. And it's great that she's been able to, yeah, find her sport and have an opportunity next year to uh, step up to the world tour and, yeah, really great uh, testament to the High Five Dream Team and, and also the High Five National Development Team that uh, bringing riders like her to, to the world stage. It is unfortunate that it appears the High Five National Development Team won't be continuing next year. I mean, um, obviously with Cycling Australia pulling the funding, it'd be entirely on Rochelle Gilmore's uh, High Five to continue the sponsorship. And given that she supports two teams already in the, on the women's scene, uh, a third one might be a bridge too far in that regard. Yeah, she's uh, contributed an immense amount to Australian cycling and, and actually back to uh, so many Australian women across High Five Dream Team the Wiggle High Five team or the High Five development team. And she's also got her own projects going on as well. So, yeah, it's understandable if it doesn't continue. But I know she's working hard behind the scenes to try and secure the sponsorship because it has been such a valuable pathway for elite Australian women to uh, progress overseas. And it would be a real shame if it did discontinue. Yeah, I was uh, speaking with Shannon earlier and uh, she confirmed that she will be riding with a, a team next year. Um, she didn't say which one, which is going to irk me for a while. And maybe, maybe we can speculate. Who, who would you put her on? Uh, oh, I've heard, maybe one of the Amer- I've heard with Maybe UHC. <laughs> it could be an American team. Um, yeah, yeah, it's uh, one of those things. It's transfer season when people are always keeping uh, things under their hat and... Uh, yeah, you definitely hear whispers, but uh, I think, you know, she spent some time in America and in Europe. And, um, yeah, I mean, America is a brilliant place to train and, uh, and race, and especially if it's a team that does spend periods of time in Europe. But, um, yeah, Europe's definitely not for everyone. I've been there for a couple of years, and it's, uh, it's really hard work. And, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. We'll have to wait and see. <laughs> No, okay. Yeah, well, bad weather over in Europe. You, 
you know, cold and you don't want to race over cobbles. That's no fun. So stay in Australia and we'll, we'll offer you like five races a year, perhaps. <laughs> anyway, I think that should just about do it for us. Beck, thanks for, thanks for joining the podcast. Um, always a great pleasure to have you on. And hopefully we'll catch you around at some uh, racing over the summer, I guess, at this point. Yeah, well, I uh, drive to Adelaide tomorrow morning, so I uh, move uh, across there for the uh, annual kind of pilgrimage to Adelaide to begin track season. So I think, um, you know, we won't be racing as much this year, but, uh, yeah, everything's targeted for the Com Games and hopefully I'll be able to make it to the Road Nationals again. I really enjoyed it this year. Um, so we'll, we'll wait and see. Obviously, we have a new coach across in Adelaide and uh, I'd like to, yeah, do continue the road racing as well. I think it's a nice balance. Thanks for joining us, Beck, and um, we'll all we'll be supporting you on your drive to Brisbane. Um, it seems less exotic than saying going to Rio or something like that, but uh, everyone will be supporting you regardless. Thanks so much, Jamie. Okay, cheers, Beck. Thanks. <laughs>